normal then this is not the show for you please go somewhere else this is wyrd if it's getting weird it's got to be the weird mountain gals show you're listening to byron and alicia the weird mountain gals gets it, but not quite. Well, that's it's <laughs> artificial enough for me. That's how, ooh, it's, it's so, <laughs> you know, I was talking to my friend who lives in Myrtle Beach. He has a studio and he has a lot of talent and not as much time as he would want. He was really excited because he found an AI module that he could buy that would write the code for him 
for for his website. So he doesn't have to write the code. He could go buy that module for however much, 50 or 100 bucks, and tell it what he wanted, and then it would put it all together for him. Magic. It takes all the 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 thinking out of the coding process, which that would be good, you know, because it's very hard to program sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but it, it also, I don't know, there's just something there that's kind of just... I don't weird about it. And I, I keep thinking about Star Trek uh, and it wasn't the original Star Trek or the next, the next Star Trek after that, but it was one after that. And they had an artificial intelligence character and he was a doctor. So uh, that's why I've kind of always thought that AI would be really good in the medical field. Because it could take every little thing it ever heard from a patient and remember it instantly and put together patterns and stuff that humans can't do. But would you yeah. trust one is the thing. Would you trust one? As you know, I, my level of trust on just about any damn thing in the world is not very high. So, yeah, I'm. Uh... Here's the other thing about it. So this person that you're talking about mm -hmm. is perfectly happy to put programmers out of business with AI. Now, is that person also going to be perfectly happy when the whole music business is AI and when AI steals that person's intellectual property? And it may and have already around? happened. It yeah. May have, it may have so, already happened. There's an ethical thing to all of that that I I got some problems with. The problem that I have is I don't I think it's too late for us to have a choice about it. I yeah. Think when we I could have too. done something about it, we weren't hearing anything and nobody realized what was going on. And the few people who did, you know, the science fiction geeks and the the readers of that stuff. Uh, they they were all just like me thinking, well, well, you know, it's just my imagination. It's just my imagination. I'm overreacting. That must be it. Yeah. Because my thing was, you know, and I've said this on the show a dozen times. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the, when I learned to read in the 60s, some of the first stuff I wanted to read because my mama was reading it was Asimov. And I did wait until the late 60s when I had the comprehension to read it. But but God almighty, we have been taught for 60 plus years that this is a dangerous thing that maybe we should not be messing around with. Mm -hmm. well, but, the problem is the folks in Washington have not been taught the same thing. Well, as far as I can tell from yesterday and all and since 2016, and probably since the Reagan years, is that people in Washington don't know their <coughs> crow that out from a hole in the <coughs> ground. Nope. So don't. why would they be expected to know anything that takes a little bit of intellectual capacity? Because they ain't got it. And we keep electing people that are dumber than a box of bricks. They're, they're, they're not that dumb. They're not dumb when it comes to their own pocketbooks and saving their own skin and, and greasing their own, uh, you know, politicians. No. And, all and that, that's crafty, I guess. Yeah. I would say that's, that's cunning. crafty. 
cunning and crafty. Yeah. yeah. So what do they call it? Smart like a fox or something like that? Crazy like a fox. Crazy like a fox. Yeah. I mean, they know how to take care of themselves. And when I look at them, when I see the images and stuff, I think to myself, that person is third in line to be the president. That person well, is fourth right in now, line. There is nobody that is fourth in line to be the <laughs> president. There is nobody. And we're probably better off. <laughs> well, we probably are. Yeah, I mean, maybe if if all that happened and there was just nobody in the number four spot, we could just stop for a minute and go, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. What what are we doing exactly? What was that? <sighs> yeah, you know, oh. I, I begin to think that Gary, Gary, Gary's class was right back in the seventies, and that they decided that the office of president by the year two thousand was would be too big for one person to handle it correctly and that it was needed to be a team job or a partnership. <clears throat> and then they went down and made their predictions about the rest of, of, you know, of the positions. And they pretty much said that about all of them. It's going to be too much for one person to be an effective leader by themselves and understand all the issues. And man, they're right because we see these i can't believe how how <laughs> some of them are. they don't know the constitution they don't know what they're talking about no they're they're butthole from mount olympus they don't know nothing except how to get rich and stay in office yeah and take care of their own self yeah i know i know I know. I agree. Boy, we got started early this time, didn't we? Like, those buttholes. Damn it. And them damn buttholes in Raleigh, and then damn buttholes at city council, and them damn buttholes in the county commissioners. Now, to be fair, I've not heard the county commissioners being buttholes. I am making an assumption based on their long <laughs> butthole history. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure they're up to something that I would not approve of. Well, probably, but I have to admit that I have, and this is wrong. I know it's wrong. Is but, it wrong, think? Yeah, but I, I'm admitting it. I have to admit that I really enjoyed watching them tear each other apart <laughs> yesterday. God. Did it, it just was, seem like, I felt like I was in the Coliseum. I felt you like know? I was watching my my child's kindergarten class. Well, that too, so much absolutely. whining and finger pointing, and yeah, he's mean to me, so I'm gonna get him back. You know, that's that's what it is now. Revenge politics. It it is, and and I have said more than once that we never get out of the seventh grade. No, no. It's like, well, he said that about me. Now I'm gonna say that about him, and she she didn't talk nice to me she, because I mean, ah, uh, ah. Uh, if you had already sold your damn soul to a bunch of lunatics in your party and you were having to just balance on a knife edge to try to hold things together, okay, that's one person. Ugh. Then, if he'd had any crow-crow sense about what to do, he would have pulled out 10 Democrats that are a bunch of wimps anyway and will go whichever the way the wind blows. And he would have promised them. I don't even know what he would have promised them. Yeah. Girls, boys, 
naked dancing, whistling, oh, I don't know, but pulled him to one side and said, if you will help me hang on to this speakership, this is what I'm going to give you. Instead, he just kept insulting the damn Democrats. And it's like, oh, well, obviously, you don't need us here to help you. So, and see for you. those of you who cannot see us right now, I made a very, very rude Italian gesture. <laughs> it's it's so amazing to think that a little slip of a girl like you would know that gesture. <laughs> you know, we've been watching. I'm going to completely change the subject because I know we'll go back to it. We've been watching this great show. I don't know. It's on Netflix or something. That's in Italian, and it's about the mafia in the 70s. Okay. And but it, it's from the point of the view, a point of view of the youngest son in the family, and the, and they they are all in Sicily. They're in Palermo, and uh, and so it's really helped me with my Italian. It's helped me with my gestures for sure. <laughs> it's really helped me with my my Italian, and it's just been so delightful and so kind of and heartbreaking because you know at the end of it, the mafia has solidified their power in Palermo and you know they're going to go on from there but boy the acting is good it just it was just really really good but I got to uh I got to witness uh real Italians in action not Italian Americans like I know but real <laughs> Italians and yes they are actors and yes they were exaggerating a lot of things but whoo talking with your hands it is a thing it is a thing I, I haven't really watched anything much on on the tube other than turn it on to uh, the news every now and then let it be in the background. And, but late night started back. Oh boy! And so how I how are they doing that without writers? Well, the writers guild, the writers strike is so over. They've come back with the okay. Yeah, good. it was over yeah. this past Friday. Yeah, that's so right. This past Monday was the first night the late night was on and my mother was looking forward to it and I was looking forward to it and the next day I talked to her which would have been yesterday and I said well how'd you like it late night you know what'd you think of Cobert she said well I was fairly disappointed what that's well I thought the same thing Byron um, and, and we both decided that it was because whoops here's a train oh see how short it is it's already almost gone yeah yeah well they're not they're not hauling wood chips out to uh champion with yeah. Yeah. and they're not hauling uh coal over to the formerly coal-fired power plant they got a lot less to do they do well um what were we saying right before that you were telling me about late night and you were disappointed oh yeah so so okay so when the actor's strike happened, late night hosts were kind of at the top of their game. They were flush with good material and they were over the top with some of their jokes and stuff. And it was just, it was, it was truly funny. So their monologues and stuff. And when they came, came on last or Monday night, Colbert just kind of was his normal self and he didn't really have anything over the top about the five months that they were gone, all the stuff that had happened. And you see, he had promised, he had promised that, well, if this happens to Trump, I'm going to do this thing. And if this happens, I'm going to do this other thing. And if this happens, I'll do this other thing. And, and he did none of that. 
he I mean it was it was witty and it was cute like it normally is but it, it really wasn't such a big deal and Kimmel was a little better but not much better uh he had you know a funny skit I think he started out laying on a psychiatrist's couch or it had all been a dream or something you know uh and and mom and I decided that it had to have been because well they just started back work on Monday they didn't have a lot of time to come up with this you know big show they, they have had as long as this strike was going yeah but they didn't to get work. ready right but the writers were not working during that so it's the writers that actually provide the monologues and stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah so so we're we're thinking that it's because they had just come back to work and it just wasn't gelling yet so that's the deal about late night i was kind of let down a little bit but i have every reason to think that by this time in a week It'll be right back to the standard that it, of hilarity that it was. Because, hell, it's easy. I could do it. You could do it. We could definitely do it. Uh, there's just so much material. And the only question is, what thing is the funniest and what thing is so, so over the top that it wouldn't even be believable? <laughs> <laughs> and that's really the only question. <laughs> Other than that, you know, it's just funny as heck. We got oh, I'm so on. glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad because I was getting to that place where I was starting to want to watch regular TV, and uh. I no, I don't want to do that. And I say that, and I mean, I don't want to let myself go there. I don't. Well, I've been writing a lot. I mean, watching a lot of you know streaming service stuff. A lot of BritBox, we have mm -hmm. that. So a lot of British stuff, and yeah. and I've just loved loved that um, FX thing, Reservation Dogs. Oh, <laughs> I've just I've loved it, and I loved I loved how it ended, and I loved watching because we basically seen these kids growing up, mm -hmm. and yeah. yeah, it was just real good, real good. Yeah. And then that Mafia show. That ended last night too, so uh, that's all. That's all done. That's over. I'm just in such a weird place, Alicia, because for the first time in, I'm gonna say three years, I'm not actively writing a book. I got the edit notes back for Feral Church. Yeah, but I've determined I'm not gonna start that uh, until after I get back from Florida next week. Um, and <laughs> I had a real good talk with my editor, Heather Green. Hey, Heather, if you're listening. Hey, Heather. She, she had just been on vacation. So she was, uh, she was raring to go, but also very relaxed. Like, you know, after you've been away and you're like, well, I'm going to kind of ease into this. Like but I she said be. some of the kindest, nicest things about the writing of that book. And, you know, I was so... I was so funny about it because it's not like anything I've ever written in my whole life. And I, half of me, and I usually do like, like this, half of me was absolutely convinced that they would read that at Llewellyn and they would come back to me with a very kind letter saying, look, we love you and everything, but there's no way we can publish this. This is, this is, we can't, we just can't. Now I'm sorry. I'm it really is sorry. an interesting subject. It It is. And so... Uh, when I talked to her on Monday, um, 
I told her that. I said, look, I, I, she said, I know it sounds like I'm asking a lot because they're asking me to reformat some things. But like always, because she's such a good editor, she's exactly right. There were two things that I can't believe I, I wasn't doing them. She said, I felt like you were trying to do them, but you didn't do them all the way. And I was like, well, I wasn't trying to do them. But that those are great ideas. So, I mean, it was all stuff like that. And she said, look, I, I just want you to know that the, the writing of this book is powerful. This is going to be a powerful book. And it is going to it's going to rock some people. And, and it's, you know, it's going to do all that. And I'm just here to give you the shape of it so that we get maximum hit off this book. And I was like, oh. Thank you. <laughs> that sounds but, good, doesn't it? Yeah. So for the first time in many years, I have given myself the time to not jump right back in that. She said, how soon can you get the edits back to me? And I said, well, it's October. She said, oh, yeah, it's October. And I said, I can't get it back to you before the first of December. But she said, that's good. That's good. And I would normally... I think I would normally have said, I think I can get those back to you middle of November, maybe even beginning of November. And I just know I can't. No can do, Batman. Well, it only took you a few years to learn that. Yeah, it only took me seven, eight books. Just took me eight books. No worries. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, though, because... You need a vacation to smooth out your mind a little bit and and get back to the 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 non-author author way of looking at the world. Yeah, which means that today and uh, y'all that are listening, Alicia and I were talking earlier about you know she's got some things she's got to do next week. I got some things I'm doing next week, and but we had time today, so I actually have time today. Yeah. For us to do all that we need to get done. So we've been playing around with shared screens and oh, yeah. backgrounds and all kinds of just crazy, crazy no, stuff. No, no telling what gossip we're going to get into. Oh, That's Lordy, the- we've already started that. <laughs> yep. And we look just like those hee-haw ladies that sang that, too. You remember that? I do. Now, and I especially look like a hee-haw lady today because I haven't put my teeth in. So I, I don't have any teeth, any teeth in the front and the bottom. I'm just mm-hmm. like Lulu. Oh. So I didn't. I haven't even put them in today because the store and everybody that I got, know at the grocery store, they don't give a damn if I got teeth or no teeth. I wasn't. I wasn't going to a beauty contest. I was going to the damn grocery store. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. I, you know what? I need to go to the grocery store this week myself. I, and I mean, for a big shopping trip, but not going to happen. I got other stuff to do. <laughs> oh, no. Will you uh, do a shopping trip before you go away next week? Or will you wait till you get there and do a little shopping? I think I'm going to wait till I get there and do a little shopping. I honestly don't want to eat in restaurants. Even if I had the money to eat out all my meals, which I don't. I wouldn't want to because my point in going there has is not the restaurants. I'm going there for the beach, the seashells, the sound of the surf. I'm going to see if I can see any, anything swimming, you know, there's a lot of out there this time of year. We can see maybe all kinds of stuff. And I fully intend to get up in the morning and and go out there and just, you know, I'm going to try and live by the tides 
but not by my belly. Oh, I love that. Oh, that sounds wonderful. It does. I, and I can't wait to do it. I used to do that. I would well, just have a nice quiet time on the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that thing I did last weekend, uh, Moonrise, it was called. Um, I discovered, because, you know, I've been saying, I'm so tired of this, and I'm tired, tired, tired. And what I discovered then is that I, I'm, I'm peopled out. <clears throat> you know, I'm just just too much people in. And, uh, and it was really good because they were so good to me. They put me up in a little cabin, pretty little cabin. And I could just hang out in the cabin because I brought my own food with me and on all that. And and I did that for a long time. I'd come out, you know, of the evening when there was the fire and I'd sit around in my camp chair by the fire. And that was, you know, I loved that, but it was very peopley. It was very loud. And and I'm fun. I'm funny about this, Alicia. I want I want to sit by the fire. I want to look at the fire. I want to hear the soft murmuring of people having conversations around me. I want to engage in the soft murmur of a conversation. I don't want no damn radio. I don't I don't want no recorded music. And especially if somebody's going to play music around the fire, I want them to say, I want them, that's just, I guess probably a Southern good manners thing. I want them to say, you know, I've got a song I would love to share with y'all if you would be up for me getting out my guitar or my whatever and playing that for you. And then being being true about if they all kind of look at you like, yeah, but we're kind of liking just what's going on. Just, just kind of back away and not do it. Instead of just taking out your damn whatever instrument and just and then all the talk has to stop mm -hmm. while we listen to your concert and maybe I didn't want to hear whatever kind of shit music you were going to play. Well, I would think that's a basic thing. I mean, you would think so. And yet I'm telling you, youngins ain't got no manners. And by youngins, I mean anybody under the age of 45. So, well, yeah, I guess they just can't read the room. But, you know, generally speaking. <laughs> Hard to read the room by firelight, maybe. Right. Generally speaking, though, if people are going to gather around the fire, they'll say it's we're going to we're going to jam around the fire or something like that. And and if they well, just I, say we're going to hang out together, that's yeah. a whole different thing. And if it's if it's critical mass and musicians, like when I was at Starwood last year, yeah. I just I got just ill with I am sick of people sitting around my camp pulling out seven goddamn guitars, a <laughs> ukulele, an African drum. It's like, can I just sit in my own camp and not have to listen to y'all doing this bullshit all the time? I would like to have five minutes of not having to listen to y'all. And the but answer I is, I and, the answer that. Is, and the answer is no, because the only thing I'm conscious of is me and my instrument and how I have to share. <laughs> and so... There came a point, and one of my buddies that was camping with us, like me, is not somebody who's compelled to perform. And so he and I would go to the other side of his camper, and he had one of those lovely little, uh, uh, it's like a, a, a campfire that you plug in. I mean, it was a natural gas. Campfire. Yeah. Just, and so we could hear the music softly, kind of over the camper, and we could enjoy it that way, and we could have a conversation. Because frankly, if everybody's got out their goddamn guitars and their African drums 
ain't no talking happening. <laughs> None. Except to say, oh, well, I love that one, but what about this one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it just, if you ain't part of it, you really ain't part of it. That's true. That's exactly you might as well. You might as well just find another place to be. And mm -hmm. so that is another at Starwood every year. I learn a new thing about myself hmm. and about the people that I camp with. Well, now I do and, know that you yeah. like music and you like live music. I do like that, yeah. but I do not like that 12 <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> you mean there's a limit to it? And I don't like, and I don't like the mess that happens on my big table because everybody brought their drink or they brought their whatever. And so I, and then I end up being the mama. Keep, I keep trying to keep the space a little cleared off so that we have, but no, ain't nobody got any consciences about that because I might have to change my strings on my 12 string. Yeah, I've noticed like, that. There, it's just, I get it, but I don't have to love it. I, I get it as well. I see it. And I've had to clean up. After many, many people who have done Yeah, that. because it's just, it's, well, you know, it's it's the reason, golly, I got on my soapbox, didn't I? You remember that old, um, the old story of the grasshopper and the ant? <laughs> remember that story? And all the grasshopper did was play music. So people could dance. And went, well, not everybody can dance all the goddamn time. Somebody has got to be bringing in the little grains of food to feed us over the winter. <laughs> but... Yeah. So I'm always in that scenario. I am always on the side of the ants. It's like, buddy, if that's all you can do, if you can't put that damn fiddle away for five minutes and go out and cut some corn, then you ain't no use to me. So, all right, I'm going to step off my soapbox because I do love live music and I love to be there and I love to sing and I love to well, all that stuff. But I can't take it for five solid days, 12 hours a day. I can't. There is a guy, there's a guy that taught school, taught college over there at Isothermal, great musician. And I, you know, he and I, we wrote one song together, but he wrote this song called Pick in His Pocket. And the line of it, if you marry a man with a pick in his pocket, you'll be supporting him. And, <laughs> and the whole song was about musicians are just not worth a shit, are they? <laughs> and, uh, he wrote it and he is one. He ought to know. Well, you know, my friend has that joke that, that he thinks is funny until you actually think about his life. And that is, you know why musicians date younger women? No. Because women their own age know better. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one, ain't it? Well, that's, you know, that's true, though, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, well, poor musicians getting thrown off on. And and I, I'm guilty of being that person occasionally in my life, but I hope that I have a little bit of tact about it. I hope I do. I hope I do. Well, you might have tact about it because because you're a southerner and so you are raised with you know some good manners or or because you know to read the room well because i've been that person who has to clean up after the musicians you yeah. know i mean, see i'm because i'm but you're the musician 
that has playing it after after. Yeah. So say, if you I can do it, guitar. they all can do it. Well, I know. I don't play strings, though. So somehow that. Oh, is that what it is? Me. It disqualifies me from being a real musician around the campfire. So, except for the uh, smart folks who want uh, me around. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry I got us off on this, but it's kind of yeah. good. It's kind of good to get it out of my system, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, love, I love to sing with people. I'd love to be around a campfire with a bunch of people who love to sing and just sing all the songs they know and play with the harmonies and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same thing because mm -hmm. you're right. It, it's string players. Right. If they start playing, if you know a song and, and can sing it, they will suffer you to do that. Mm -hmm. But it ain't about you singing. It ain't about your instrument. There, there are some exceptions to that. You know, if I came in and I had a percussion instrument, I would actually be treated differently than if I had, had 20 years of training as a vocalist. <laughs> I could walk in with my paper bag and comb and play that and get more respect because, exactly. hey, I'm really contributing to the music. Yeah. But, you know, the smart ones, like I said, they want somebody like me around because I make them sound better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and plus it's just fun. Who wants only instrumental around the fire and maybe all the stringed instrument players are raising their hands when they, yeah, they sure are. Think so I think they even like to have some, some vocalization every now and then, you know, whoops. That's it. 220. I turned my phone off. You know what I appreciated about that? And then it never occurred to me, but somebody had posted today to any of my friends who are in an abusive relationship. If you have a cell phone and it is a secret device, yep. please turn it all the way off because, and they said why. And I thought, damn, I would not have thought of that, but no, me, that message me will have saved somebody from a beating or worse. Yes, and, I, and I'm, I hope for the same thing because, and I, like you, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, but as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's real good. So that that little, uh, what do you call that, pay-by-the-minute phone. Oh, the track phone? Yeah, you that little track phone you're hiding down, you know, inside the box of tampons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, yeah, the that's, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? It is heartbreaking, but it's also, y'all, if you're in an abusive relationship and you can get away with doing that, please go get yourself a way to communicate that yes. the other person doesn't know about because it yes. could save your life someday. It could. Well, and there's been, there's been a rash lately in my, well, in my local world, but also kind of in my social media world. Uh, it's been mostly women, but one man. Mm -hmm. uh, who have just, you know, they're kind of coming out to talk about their terrible home situation. And I mean, there's a part of me that goes, God, I, I don't think I could tell people on social media, stuff like that. I think it would be dangerous, but, um, but I wonder how much of that is going on that, that people are just sucking it up, just sucking it up, hoping for the best. I don't know. We've had several of them in our groups in our, yeah. you know, through the years yeah. and stuff. And it's heartbreaking. It, it, it is. Um, and it, it just, it bothers me to think about it, how many people, but 
but but it's we just have to sadly be used to it at some point because it's not I don't see it stopping anytime soon well it ain't stopped in all these thousands and thousands of years right right hopefully hopefully there's a a generation of people that are growing up with a a different kind of of rules you know but but they're not but they're not I mean I hear again and again from what I've been calling the youngins uh again and again about about women getting involved in BDSM stuff where the woman is, is the one who gets yelled at and abused and whatever. And I just think, well, why would you intentionally set yourself up for that? And yes, I know there's a lot of psychological reasons and cultural reasons that you might, you might do that. But I, I just think they, they are couching it now in a whole different way. So they don't talk about it. My husband gets drunk uh um, on the weekend and he wallops me and he wallops the young ones and but he's okay the rest of the week and he's a good provider so I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna stay on it as best I can and stay out of his way as much as I can which is what we always heard growing up mm-hmm. I mean it was it seemed like I mostly heard about the husband walloping the wife but I know women wallop men too um because I know people that have been walloped yeah but yeah. now it's like oh well but my kink is this and so I want you to you know I want you to help me do my kink and I mean what if that you know in 1975 some abusive husband said well baby that's just my kink that's just my kink that's just how I am I can't help it's just my kink I think that's exactly what happens over and over again I do too and I think that if you're young and you've grown up with that as your role model for sexual pleasure, yeah. at the very least, you're going to be confused at the yeah. very least. But I think that, I think that because, you know, sex is in, it's here more than in the genitals. In oh, absolutely. And so uh, once, once a person is raised to believe something and they do believe something how do you how do you teach them well that's not actually sexual if that's the way they get their pleasure from it oh look at him he wants to spank the hell out of me he must really love me yes because that's just his kink that's his kink yeah yeah that's i i yeah i I can see where that would be said well, I, I think I, I said on here a few weeks ago that I was at a, at a festival where I just said I was doing one of my sex magic workshops. And I just said, you know, I just don't think women should be subs. No woman, nowhere, no how. If you want to be a dom, I, I'll support you in that. But I just don't, don't think it's healthy for women to be subs. And, you know, I got a tiny bit of pushback, but most of, most of the women went, really? So... It'd be okay for me to to not submit. Yeah. Yes, it would be a big okay. Yeah. yeah. So I said that to a, a friend of mine, well, a colleague of mine, uh, fairly recently, yeah. and I was just saying, you, it was one of those things that I do where I was like, sometimes I just open my mouth and something comes out, and and I don't regret it because I wasn't unconscious when I said it. But sometimes I, I pick a time that's not necessarily the best time. And I, I and I said about, you know, I was doing that workshop and I just said that. And I said, that's just how I feel about it. 
um, coming from a, a, a long history in my life and in my family of men taking advantage of women. And so I said that, and, and I said, I got in so much trouble because I said, women should never be. And this woman looked at me and I knew immediately that she was a sub. <laughs> and she was not going to say to me, she wasn't going to fight to me, well, but it's really important for me because I, I really need to be dominated. Otherwise, I'm too big and too. I think I'm too important. And my ego. She didn't say any of that to me, but she looked at me and I went, uh, time to be quiet, Byron, time to be quiet. And so I, I was. explained about it. Did I tell you that? Somebody mansplained. I got mansplained about it. If you're in in control and in charge in business and in your daily life, the more control you have, the sexier it is to give it up. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that before. And, and I guess I can see that for men, but women have not been, have not been in that position long enough to be bored with it. You know, it's like, latch on to some big old power and just fucking wield it. That's what I say. Bitch all the way, you know, yeah, I agree. And if people got a problem with that, well, here is my big white ass they can kiss. (laughs) This is going to be another podcast where 50% (laughs) of it is just cut right out. (laughs) Yeah, but you you could send all this to the weirdlings. They would love this. This is stuff I might be able to send, (laughs) yes. They're like, oh, mercy. (laughs) Now they're talking about spanking. What's them weird mountain gals going to talk about? (laughs) The bondage episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you know the photo I could put with that? Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, we did not behave ourselves on the other episode. Because we had, had like, an hour's worth of material. It was an hour and eight minutes, as a matter of fact. And it ended up, the entire podcast was 38 minutes. And that counted the music with it and stuff. So it's like, well, hell. (laughs) If they, I mean, we are capable of, you know, going there. Well, obviously, given what we just talked about, we are capable of going there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Tune in again next week for part two of this fine broadcast.